the next scene, all you need to know is my house, my chair, my, my woman. That <laughs> scene. What's up, good girls and guys? Welcome to the Juiciest Book Podcast, where we discuss our favorite spicy stories from cutesy romance to smut and all the fantasy in between. I'm Carly. And I'm Taylor. Welcome to Read It and Ride It. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> and right back into it, ironically, the same way we started part two of Fourth Wing, dick me down Zayden motherfucking Riorson. Ugh. Literally, my jaw dropped when he was like, I want you feral. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that before. And I need to hear that more often. (laughs) I also love when he was like, there are hundreds of people in this palace of a house and I want all of them to hear and know you're mine. Like, Oh my fucking God, this man is just... (laughs) He's so extra. Uh, We're here for it. Yes. I was dying laughing when he revealed that he already had warded the room to be soundproof. Honestly, thank God. Because even though it was a super hot scene, I kept thinking, how awkward her brother lives (laughs) He's going to hear. Yeah. (laughs) Ew. There's also a reveal of the scar on Zayden's chest and what it means. Basically, he took another mark similar to the ones on his back that make him responsible for Violet, a.k.a. it's that tearish custom that her mom was trying to explain to Violet in part one. He protects her yet again against the assembly and says, my life is tethered to Violet, so if you want me in that fucking chair aka the throne you'll accept her yeah honestly the assembly annoys the fuck out of me because how can you still hate violet and the fact that they keep using the excuse of she's the general's daughter it's just not adding up anymore yeah, like, brennan is the general's son too much stuff it's, yeah, yeah it's dumb so Arisha is basically zayden's and that half burned throne that was mentioned previously we find out is his. Right, which makes him honestly a little bit more sexy because he's basically royalty at oh, this yeah. point. Another big part at the beginning of part two is Andarna is finally awake from the dreamless sleep. A couple of things happen. One, her wing is missing a muscle because after forcing power for the time stopping, she needed to go into the dreamless sleep immediately, but did not. And they also think she'll be able to fly. However, they don't think she'll ever be able to bear a rider. But we still love you and Darna. Right. I still think she'll be badass, though, and able to one day carry Violet because in a way, they're almost like made for each other. Like they're saying, you know, Andarna is weak and she can't do this. And they said the same thing about Violet. Like she has physical yeah. limitations. But I feel like they're just made for each other. And, oh, I you know, she, it's going to be badass. She's going to be like jumping from Tarn to like Andarna in some fight. And it's going to be sick. I also love that. Now that Indarna's awake, she has a huge appetite, and Tarn's new nickname for her is the hungry one. <laughs> it comes into play like so many times, and every time he <laughs> said it, I was just giggling to myself. 
I like how similar it is to Violet's nickname, the silver one as well. That's just Taryn's go-to nickname type is whatever you are, one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Riorson House essentially becomes the new Basque. There's classes, books, and the professors that came are teaching them. Plus, they add a new class on Tirish Rebellion. Amarito, one of the professors that joined the revolution, is having them train by running to adjust to the altitude. Devura and Brennan become the new battle brief teachers, and Bodhi gets his patch during the first class for flame section, which is awarded to Iron Squad for staying completely intact and coming to the rebellion. It's revealed also that Navarre citizens don't know Basquith was split and half left for the rebellion. However, thankfully, and this was something I was worried about, the families of the rebels are not being targeted, but it's probably to keep it a secret. Still, though, thank God, because so many people left. That left so many families vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. As Sawyer put it, shortest revolution in history because a riot of 40 dragons that are led by teen Mira's dragon show up. And I was kind of like, fuck, okay. <laughs> like, seriously, we're already going to get attacked? Right, what the hell? They are so not prepared. <laughs> and then Tarn almost kills teen and pulls some majorly overprotective daddy moves before realizing, no, wait, they're actually allies, which I was like, hell yes, Mira is on the good side. Finally. Mira claims that she didn't know until the Worven were dropped at Samara, at, which was at the end of part one. Remember when Zayden had, with the rebel kids, to build a distraction to save Violet, dropped a bunch of Worven. And leadership decided after that happened, letting them go was safer than letting them stay and talk others into leaving or leaking information. I kind of found it a little sus, though, that Melgren just let them go. Yeah, I was definitely like, this is going to come back to bite them in the ass. Like, Melgren is just not one of those people that is doing something out of the goodness of his heart. Oh, no way. He doesn't seem like he has any good spots in his heart. (laughs) (laughs) True. Mira finally reunites with Brennan and Punches him in the nose immediately. (laughs) So epic. And honestly, like, I don't think it would have been very Mira to like run and jump and hug him. Like for her to just get like pissed and pop him in the face is just so perfect. So her. So her. (laughs) Zayden's also back and makes out with Violet right in front of her siblings. Brennan is disgusted and Mira's just like, oh, this is tame for them. (laughs) We also have the first attempt at activating the Wardstone with the six most powerful riders and dragons, but it's just the riders touching the stone. And I think they cut their hands and bleed onto it. And it's yeah. a fail. I get why they thought that, though, because iron rain, you know, your blood, metallic, there's iron, right. you're raining your blood. So I get it. But the translation at this point is wrong. For Yeah, for how much information they had, it was a very good attempt yeah so refocusing efforts felix becomes violet's signet teacher and at first i was a little put off by him because he was getting pissy with her because she didn't know how to use her signet literally calling her a light show without control plus she at this point has only shot from the sky and not her hands so it's a totally unexperimented with part of her power yet 
Right. And I was like, dude, like they didn't teach her. Like, how is she just supposed to know what to do with her signet? Like, stop being a fucking dick. But he ends up, you know, still doing something good. And he actually gives her a way to help control her signet by giving her a conduit that siphons her power into it when she gets emotional. Because like we said, he called her a light show. She gets emotional, a.k.a. one of the times she fucking has sex. She just starts fucking shooting shit everywhere. And when she gets angry, kind of the same thing happens. And they're saying, you know, that's it's, not good. Like, you can't just be emotional and erratically do shit. Like, right. you need to be able to control She just doesn't it. have control. And any heightened emotion seems to trigger her. Right. And we knew this was coming. And I was so hyped when... Violet says, take me to Viscount Tricaris. I was like, hell yeah. The sibling gang is going out. This is like the first time where they're all three going out together. Yeah. It's going to be fucking sick. Mira and Brennan go with her behind Zayden's back because he still will not budge on her going. You also find out that Cliffsbane Flight Academy, which was in Zoila, and if you remember the pamphlet said Zoila Falls, have actually moved to Viscount Tricaris's little island. And so there's tons of them there. And you also find out something very important. The flyers have powers as well. Not as strong as writers do, but one of those powers is being a truth ser, And they typically focus around emotion. When they get there and fucking Zayden is already there, I was like, ooh. <gasps> Violet, you in trouble. (laughs) And then Violet kind of gets caught up about how Zayden has been there before because he just starts kind of like detailing a lot of things about Peromial. Yes, that's the name of the island, Peromial. Yeah, where I was like, okay, yeah, he definitely knows more than like the average person would know for someone who's just saying they're going over there to you know, try and like deal. He, it with was them. another one of those avoiding the truth kind of thing. It's like he didn't lie, but he didn't say the truth. I mean, he literally has a fucking room there. Right. So there's like more to the story. And you find <laughs> like later you find out that he had a previous marriage arrangement with that Griffin Flyer cat. Of course. Who also ends up being the Viscount's fucking niece, which I'm like, <sighs> really? Really? Okay. Like, she is on my shit list so early. Like, she is, again, sexually eyeing Zayden in front of Violet. Like, you're just fucking thirsty. Knock it off. Not cute. Oh, shit. And then Violet pulls the stop protecting me card. Totally a Dane trigger for her. Zayden's excuse is the Flyers want to kill her for her mother's last name and the Viscount wants to keep her and he wasn't in love with her back then. But like Dane was in love with her too. Right. But you know better, Zayden. You know better. And she calls him on it that he knows better. So he apologizes for pulling a Dane. I love that pulling a Dane. (laughs) And that finding her tortured made him overreact. So again, it's kind of like you're frustrated with him and then you're like, oh, yeah, that was like you're so sweet. (laughs) Yeah, you just can't stay mad at him. Kat starts fucking with Violet's head because her griffin has given her this power, which is essentially like 
their version of a signet in a way that gives her the ability to heighten emotions even when someone is blocking their mind. So at this point, she's making Violet question her beauty and was angry at Zayden with jealousy. So Kat is making all of these things, you know, happen tenfold and she's not actually realizing it. And I'm just like, right. oh my God, I do really we're going to have to deal with this now. Like, why are there so many people that just have to piss me off? Right. You finally ditch Varsh, but now you got Kat. So it's, it's like, but doesn't matter because Zaddy Zayden is head over heels for her anyways and cuts it off with shadows and a steamy kiss. Dominance is established with a subtle dig Zayden makes at Kat after he actually overheard her belittling Violet on their way to the dinner, probably with his fucking shadows, because we kind of learned he can kind of hear with the shadows. And he hears her saying, Violet, you're being childish. You could never make Zayden lose control. And so Zayden's like, maintaining control is nearly impossible around Violet. Take that, cat. Take that. (laughs) So as part of this deal, Violet not only has to hit a target, but also destroy one of Zayden's dad's most invaluable pieces, happening to be a chest. I just found it so fucked up, honestly. First of all, at this point, she does not have control of her lightning yet, so already to hit a target is hard. Secondly, it's a total power move because Zayden left Kat breaking the old treaty, so they're like, oh, let's take this invaluable item of Zayden's dead Dad. Yes, seriously. And destroy it. Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Fucked. Super. Yeah. And then also, it's just super fucking sketchy that Zayden wasn't allowed to go down into the field with her. Like, I definitely was like, some shit's going to go down because if only Violet is allowed down there, that's not really making any sense to me. And then, what the fuck? A venom comes out of the chest. This Venon is super hyped, too, that he can possibly capture Violet, calling her the Sky Wielder. <laughs> also super important at this part, Violet is talking to this Venon, and she's, like, referring to the sage, and he goes, what sage? And I'm like, okay, we know that there's more than one, as Zayden had explained in Fourth Wing. But is it the same sage from her dreams or is it different? Like, is there one sage that wants her and one sage that wants to kill her? Is there like a hierarchy of sages? Like, I don't really understand how that like works in the Venom world. So I'm just like, I feel like what sage is really important for whatever is to come. Yeah, we'll go over the hierarchy in theories. So this venom drains the ground, but Mira saves them with her signet, which is a ward signet in a way that she didn't think was possible. Once her siblings are protected, Violet shoots the field with lightning, electrocuting and killing the venom while Taryn picks her up at the last moment to avoid getting electrocuted herself. So badass. I'm a hoe for a quality action scene, people. <laughs> there were a lot of them in this one. <laughs> they really were. I loved it. Zayden, by the time Violet gets back, is strangling the Viscount with his shadows, and rightfully so. I don't know why the Viscount thinks that he has any place to negotiate at this point. Like, he literally just tried to kill Violet and her siblings. Like, what? Yeah, dumb. Zayden threatens the Viscount's life, which, super hot. 
Yeah, honestly, like, give me the command, Shadow Daddy. I'll do anything for you. (laughs) (laughs) The Viscount's power is knowing what people want, which is the opposite of Varish. And he reveals he knows what Violet wants the most, which is peace for her loved ones. And so that's kind of how he tries to reel her in to be one of the people that are his treasures. Right. And a very classic... I only agreed to a discussion tactic and the Viscount has the upper hand in this exchange and which is bullshit considering what just happened on the field for real. And they basically come to the conclusion that they will take whatever Griffin cadets want to go with them and train them in exchange for the luminary, which I was like, okay, fine. But that means that that bitch fucking cat is coming. Meanwhile, the first hatchling has hatched, causing a magical power surge. So any magical being in a four-hour distance knows that there's a hatching ground right there. Yeah, and this is important because they're about to cross the secret Madero Pass and now possibly have some shit chasing after them, right? So I honestly thought it was dumb the Dragon Riders had to risk their lives on this dangerous-as-fuck pass just because the Griffins and Flyers can't fly over it. Brennan, however, being the leader, says it's because the wing leaders have to disarm the Griffin traps along the pass. But it's also a respect exercise because no rider will respect a cadet who hasn't crossed the parapet. However, this is a six-foot ledge, which is so much wider than the actual parapet. So, I mean, really, you know, how much is this going to build trust? Yeah, Tarn actually thinks it's just a test for the Griffins because it's kind of a death trap for them. So if they can't even make it walking over this pass, you're not joining our ranks. Yeah, I agree with that. Like they needed to show some sort of strength to show that they're going to be useful. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of how it is in Basketh. Like, oh, yeah. Can't cross the parapet. Well, then you shouldn't be a fucking rider. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to stand on a dragon's back anyways. During this trek, Salone admits she got to the letters where Liam was Violet's bodyguard and doesn't hate her because Liam didn't. Which during this scene, it's revealed that Liam did not like Kat, which is like an immediate red flag for Kat. Like if Liam didn't like you, then you definitely suck, which she does suck right now. (laughs) I'm just like, Liam, we miss you. Like I wish you were here with us. I love that Salone automatically hates her too. Because she's read those letters. Right. She's like, my brother knows. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're almost to the top of the pass. And so far, I don't think anyone has died until we get to an arrow trap that has to be jumped. And Violet and Luella, who is one of the flyers, are really short and the smallest. Basically, Violet being the smallest from the riders, Luella being the smallest from the flyers. Luella essentially doesn't make the jump, but Violet catches her and another flyer dislocating her shoulder because they're dangling off the side of the cliff. Riddick thankfully saves her from falling, but takes two arrows to the abdomen. Luella falls anyways because Violet literally can't even hold on to her with her shoulder dislocated. And Sibby, her bonded Griffin, screams in pain. That shit crushed my soul. It was it was like Liam all over again, reminding me of the loss and the pain of a bond tearing to shreds. And what's interesting, too, is with griffins, unlike with dragons, they cannot survive the death of their flyer. So Sibby is a goner. Right. And Sibby gets snatched up by one of the wyvern as she's dying, which honestly gave me very 
Game of Thrones vibes where the White Walkers would, in Game of Thrones, resurrect. Okay, this is definitely a spoiler. (laughs) Yeah, wait. For Game of Thrones. like a minute if you haven't seen Game of Thrones. (laughs) Like you want to watch it. But (laughs) the White Walkers would resurrect old dragons and use them in battle so then i was or like even horses and stuff but the dragon was when you got right. full body chills right oh, the fuck. dragon was like fuck so then i'm like why is the wyvern taking the griffin like are they gonna potentially use you know a dead griffin bring it back to life or maybe they've found like dead dragons Dude, and are doing imagine? the same like oh my God. i was definitely freaking out about that and of course Cat blames Violet for the death of Luella because she's a spiteful bitch. Right. Anything she can have to hold over Violet, she's going to take. Thankfully, some more comedic relief is mixed in, not only before, but after. Dane <laughs> warns, take one step toward Violet. And this is to Cat. And I'll throw you off this fucking cliff myself. And Salone's like, unlike Riorson, I don't give a shit who your uncle is. I'll do it just for fun. (laughs) We got everyone backing her up. (laughs) Not going to lie, Brennan's roll on landing from his dragon's claw to that cliff edge. That's why he's the fucking leader. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, super epic. The Wervin show up looking for what caused the power surge, as we were afraid of. And Dane tries to stop Violet from jumping on Tarn's back, as she should be, considering she's their best weapon against them. And Dane says, would Riorson let you rush off into battle against Wervin or Venon when you're wounded? And I love that she instantly responds with, yes, that's why I love him. Like, ha! Take that, Dane. Yep. But also, I'm she like, chose him. you know, I like you, Dane, but like, still stick it. Yeah. Up your butt. Kind of still have that bitterness against him, you know? There's this badass action scene where Violet throws lightning into the cloud bank below her and it branches out killing four Wervin. Important note from this, because the Wervin are created with dark wielder magic, lightning is drawn to them. So it makes easier for her to shoot through the clouds. Also, even though these Wervin are dead, Venon share a collective conscious with the Wervin they create. So they now know where all of the revolution is, and who they're allied with. Also, if you saw Rebecca Yaros's sneak peek read, which she totally fucked with us on this one, (laughs) we get the point where she mentions the quote, I reach for the buckle of Dane's belt and carefully pull the leather aside. At first, I was like, excuse me, what? I am not going to deal with her fucking Dane in this book but you realize it was actually from the sling that he made her yeah for her dislocated shoulder (laughs) I remember I'm like how is this gonna turn into that I know I my mind was like spiraling into so many things I'm like how are we gonna and then in the beginning of the book I'm like waiting for it and she's like fucking Zayden and I'm like how is this gonna work yeah what The Griffin Flyers also reveal how their version of threshing works. So basically, they walk to the edge of Cliffsband and jump onto a Griffin flying by. So if you jump off and you land on one, you're bonded. If you don't, you just miss it. You swim back to shore and you pick another branch of service, which is like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it sounds better than Bathscape. But I mean, dragons have more power and ultimately are just more badass. So 
I get that you have to earn it and like you can't be a pussy to get a dragon. Sorry, not sorry. But there's a reason Basquith is so brutal. And, you know, I'm not. And the writers are so ruthless. Not jealous at all about the Griffins. Like, sorry. <laughs> no. Plus the way Tarn talks about how puny and insignificant the Griffins are compared to them. I'm like, I mean, come on. Is it even cool? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> they start training with griffins dragons and runes so they're partnering up the flyers and the griffins and the dragons and the riders all to learn how to make these runes and teenage and darna shows up sassy af classic teenage and darna she snaps at riddick baring her teeth and growling at the griffins and says civil is overrated i've never tasted griffin and tarn lectures we do not eat our allies find another snack <laughs> she's totally the hungry one yeah <laughs> back to the hungry one <laughs> Violet points out the Shimmerin and Darnus scales again, which we find out do have a special meaning later on. Additionally, runes become a really important aspect of this kind of magical world that Rebecca Yaros has created because they can compete with signets. It's basically casting magic into things for whatever you need it to be, not even related to your signet. So you could be basically powerless and cast a fucking rune. And then boom, you have a protection spell or an unlocking rune such as Violet had on her dagger. Additionally, unlike alloy, which houses power, runes are tempered with power for specific actions. Like I said, unlocking a door. Died laughing at Sawyer's rune blowing up. Totally reminded me of that kid from Harry Potter who always blew shit up. (laughs) But of course, Kat is the best at runes. I roll. <laughs> yeah. Also, Violet realizes that the daggers Zayden gave her have runes on them. So it's like, what can her other daggers do? Because like Taylor mentioned before, earlier in the scene when they were getting out of the interrogation, one of her daggers turned into an unlocking mechanism. So it's like, okay, is Zayden going to tell us what else is right. going on? And then also amazing that Zayden had gifted her that weaving kit to practice for this because he knew it was kind of coming. But it's just like, why is it always something with him? Like, why couldn't he have just told her that the weaving was going to be for runes? Or why couldn't he have just shown right. her how to do the runes? Like, wouldn't why it did it have good? to be a secret? Yeah, wouldn't it be good to know what weapons you have in your arsenal? I go, hey, learn these runes. Cool. I'll fucking do that because it's going to be helpful. You don't have to be secretive about it. I know. Sawyer at this point, his character kind of builds a little bit more because he's wanting to learn sign language. He's one of the few in this book, actually, who seem to not know sign language, which was really unique and cool. But he wants to ask Jasenia out. So you kind of get that little fluffy hard eye moment in the middle of all this craziness. I know. I am going to cry if they don't end up together because I need it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, we need this little bit of happiness. Brennan sets up challenges between the flyers and the riders. They start this session with, at Basquith, we address grievances between cadets with a challenge, which ends when one of you is unconscious or taps out. And Auric fucking goes, or dies. <laughs> and the flyers all gasp. And the riders are rolling their eyes. They wouldn't last a day at Basquith, which is kind of what we were saying with the Griffin Again, training. Again, they're fucking yeah. pussies. Sorry, not sorry. Just Whatever. not as hardcore there. <laughs> of course, Kat takes this opportunity to challenge Violet, which is like, okay, yeah. We all saw Shocker. this coming. 
which this challenge ends up being more difficult because she realizes like, holy shit, Kat fights like Zayden. He trained both of us. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, I'm kind of jealous about that, but we'll move on from it. And Kat taunts her with shit like, I taught him that trick where he curls his fingers, blah, blah, blah. Like, fucking barf. Like, what? we didn't need that. I literally, like, yeah. gacked. I was like, that's, no. We don't, stop bringing it up. I think she did that because they were so physically matched. Even though Violet's smaller, they have the same moves. And Violet's also fast. She's like, let me get into her head. But, God, so old, so fast. It's ridiculous how obsessed cat is with Zayden let it go you crazy asshole which is almost exactly what Violet tells her you're obsessed with fighting over a man who wants to hear that like you're so lame not for real I could not get over why she was being such a bitch like he didn't choose you and we're at war so like get over it right she does say that it's not over love it's over a crown and literally threatens Violet's whole family which Honestly, this is almost worse to me, like because obviously she wants to fuck Satan because we've been getting sex eyes at him. So the right. fact that she was like, oh, no, it's over a crown. It's like mm, you're lying for sure. Right. Like That's not the only thing. Yeah, I think she's also just lying to herself because remember when she showed up to Violet's room in that like see through gown or whatever and was trying to seduce Satan. But <laughs> Violet is this in the same room as <laughs> she's like Zayden. Yeah. Me. What the fuck you doing here? <laughs> yeah. She's just a thirsty hoe and yeah. I don't like her. Mm-hmm. Violet ends up getting the upper hand at one point and it escalates into her almost killing cat. And Zayden comes through and her mind is like, honestly, you could kill her. I don't care. Might cause a lot of problems. But at this point, if you don't stop, you are going to end up killing her. Right. And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Let's kill this bitch. Like, I don't care. Establish <laughs> that dominance. But it actually turns out that Cat is just an unhinged bitch who is using her emotion power to egg Violet on to kill her. But Violet ends up pulling back from it with the coaxing of Zayden. Yeah, she's so crazy. She won't even let up after losing. And they have to create distance between the two to lessen her mind power. God, she's so intolerable. Yeah, and it's also explained later that Kat can only heighten emotions that the person already has. So Violet is realizing like, oh, I have these insecurities. And that's how Kat is kind of getting a hold of me, playing with me. So she's got to get those in check and then... Cat she can't fuck with her anymore. The next scene, all you need to know is my house, my chair, my my woman. woman. (laughs) That scene. Oh my gosh. World's longest orgasm. And on the chair, I knew was a goddamn throne. That shit was hot, 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 hot. Extra spicy. (laughs) The throne scene, I think, was like my favorite out of everything. They didn't even have sex. And I just was like, everything about it was, oh, my God. And listening to his thoughts, holy shit. There was this one part where he says, need her knowing what I can be for her, anything and everything she needs. She's heaven in my mouth, flawless mine, and she's almost there. (laughs) God's yes. (laughs) That's what he said. That's what I said. (laughs) I'm like really giddy right now. (laughs) Her legs are shaking. Her, her, (laughs) what? Kind of like a 
like an ASMR, like dirty talk right now. Oh my God. Gods, yes. Her legs are shaking. Her walls are fluttering around my tongue. I love her so fucking much. Stop. (laughs) Such a good quote. Then Zayden is like, I don't want to fuck you or get off because I want to prove cats all talk, which he thoroughly did. (laughs) Plus, he dropped some fluffy as hell quotes in addition to what we already just read. Although I don't know that those are fluffy so much as just fucking hardcore. It's like the hardcore fluff. (laughs) Yeah. But he also says, you are the first and only woman I've ever loved. I love you. She will never sit in this seat. She will never wear a tearish crown. She's never had me on my knees in front of her. And I've also never fucked her with my tongue. (laughs) Also, totally given Resan vibes. Just another little Akatar wink, wink. Love that fucking book. And just generally hot. So fucking hot. A man on their knees for you and a man that powerful. Exactly. Sexy. Like, I'm surprised, honestly, like the shadows have not gotten involved in the sex scenes. Oh my God, dude. That's like, that's another step up. Like, I want the shadows caressing her. Yes. While they fuck. The squads end up merging. And of course, the top flyer squad, a.k.a. The squad with Kat gets paired with the Iron Squad, which we all know Violet is a part of. Kat is, again, just insane. Like, she just needs to let this petty shit go. Like, you can't challenge anyone in your squad once absorbed. So at this point, like, their beef needs to be squashed. But she keeps, you know, bringing shit back up. And one of the things she says is, it's going to be fun making your life as miserable as you've made mine. What? Like, like what? Honestly, how did Violet make your life miserable? Exactly. Like, Zayden is the one who broke off the engagement. He also doesn't even want to ever be considered a king. And like, oh, because you had sex a few times, like... And also had, you know, this marriage arrangement arranged from your crazy ass fucking uncle. Like, bitch, just bye. Fly off a cliff. (laughs) Don't come back. (laughs) I'm over you. Yeah, she's giving obsession, not love. It's just not the same. And Violet coming in hot with the savagery. That trick you mentioned, you know, with the fingers. Thanks. I'm fucking dying. <laughs> she did not just say that. I kept saying that when I was reading. I was like, she did not. She did not. I was crazy. like, that's what you get, bitch. <laughs> Fight fire with fire. Violet talks with Dane since he specializes in the language Warwick's journal is in. She basically, because the first Wardstone attempt failed, is thinking, okay, maybe my translation is incorrect. He takes this as his chance to explain he was only trying to get her to scribe Quadrant because that's what she had always wanted growing up and he nearly had a heart attack when he originally saw her come in as a first-year writer. After just thinking, yay, I'm finally a second year and can go visit Violet in the scribes. So I kind of get it. It's good to hear his side of things because I didn't even think about him being like, oh my God, my best friend's going to be in scribes. I'm finally a second year and I can like write to people and go visit other Also, he's in love with her. Also, he's in love with her. Yeah. So he apologizes for his part in Resin and claims he didn't read her memories every time he touched her face. Yeah, I think the key word here is claims because I don't really know if I believe him still at this point. Ooh, she's still a little bitter. (laughs) (laughs) I I am. I am. I am. 
Dane straight up asks Violet if she loves Zayden back, and she says yes. And he's like, okay, I'll trust him as much as you do. And I know you said it, I'm bitter, but I can't believe I'm saying this, but I forgive Dane. Like, he's admitting he fucked up. He's trusting Violet. He's helping the rebellion. He's giving her her space. And also, I just think that bitch cat took his place. So like all my hatred at this point is just going towards her. So like Dane has fallen off the shit list at this point. Yeah, he's thoroughly helping. So I I kind of feel the same way. Finally, Indarna can extend her wing fully. I still have faith at this point that she is going to be able to carry Violet eventually. Yeah, I agree, especially since Violet is so small and they already had to come up with a contraption to put on Tarn for her to be able to ride him. I feel like Indarna is only going to get stronger so they could come up with something for her too. Meanwhile, Pavis falls to the Venom. So the Venon skipped multiple cities and towns because they're staging themselves to get closer to Arisha, which is just extremely concerning. And this attack was 10 times the size of Resin and had 10 times the number of civilians. So they are causing mass casualties at this point. Yeah. And Zayden even reveals that he thinks that they're outmatched in 50 years too late, which makes me so Scared. worried. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, the wards may be their last hope. And they finally finished translating Warwick's journal. First of all, I knew Rain was translated wrong and turns out to actually be Flame because, hello, that's the title of the book. Duh. Blood is also revealed to mean breath. So the exact translation is the breath of life of the six and the one combined set the stone ablaze in an iron flame. I immediately at this point was thinking like, we need to raise the wards now. Right. But then, Top priority. Exactly. But then she's like, maybe we shouldn't. And I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> like, isn't this the whole point? What is your thought process yeah. here? <laughs> but it's because she wants to give the choice to the flyers to either leave or stay behind. But if they stay behind, then they won't be able to use their powers, which I was like, sweet. But still, I'd be like, yeah, you got a couple hours to decide, like, pack your bags because we're getting these wards up. Yeah. Plus, they won't be helpless anyways. Within the wards, first of all, they're automatically protected. So, like, do you really even need your powers or whatever? Yeah, you have to train, whatever. But at the same time, better than being out there open. Right. Look at all these people kill. dying. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, Violet says, we'll provide you with imbued Marocite arrowheads. So, like, let's get on with it. Put the wards up. What are we waiting for? For real. One important part that keeps coming up throughout this book is that Violet keeps having recurring nightmares where the sage, which we end up finding out later, is actually the maven. But at this point, she just thinks it's a sage, is saying some very specific things about how he's going to take her away from Zayden. So in the dream, she can't get to turn fast enough. And the sage is taunting her, you know, wanting to see her wield, saying, show me your weapon worth watching and worth retrieving. The one who watches thinks you'll never yield that we should kill you before you come to full power, which I'm just like, what did the venom want to do with her? Because her 
power is used to kill them. So you think that they would just want to kill her. Right. But which he so does allude to at the same time because he's like, we should kill you before you come to full power. But then the key part, I think, of that quote is the one who watches you. It's like, who is watching her? Right, it sounds like someone he reports to. Right. Because you're like, OK, he ends up being the maven. So you're like, he has to be high up. Right. So there's got to be someone above him, you know, calling right. more shots. Is it like a Melgrin kind of guy, but on the Venon side? Right. Or is it like a king? Like, is there like a king right. of the fucking Venon? Like, yeah. it's super... Ugh, and like, I, we need to know the answers to this. Yeah, and I do have a theory kind of on who it might be, but we'll talk about it in the theories at the end of this episode. Also in the dream, the sage is alluding to that jealousy makes the young turn venom and others turn for power, which was definitely a foreshadow for later. Also in the dream, she smells something sweet on his breath. And then at another part, she mentions that Kath Dane's dragon smells like death. Like she was like, what the fuck? Like he's got dead bone in his mouth or something because it's not smelling good. And I'm just thinking like there's something definitely up with these smells because again, it's never just a small casual detail with Rebecca Yaros. Right. It's crazy how many things might seem like something you can read over, but then... mm. It's nope. actually important. Yeah. The sage also taunts, you won't turn for power. You will both do it for love. You both will. Totally think that's foreshadowing. And that Zayden and Violet will both eventually turn Venon. Maybe some of it will happen, if not exactly like in the dreams, where he says, you'll tear down the wards yourself when the time comes. I mean, that is just, if that happens... I think there has to be some sort of crazy plot twist where the Venon are actually the good guys if Violet and Zayden both turn Venon. Because I just cannot see both of them going Dude, what bad. if like the bad people was actually like the Empyrean? Right. That's what I'm thinking. Like how crazy would that be? Yeah. I... Mind fuck. What if they have to like fight their dragons? Uh, no. Like what if they have no. to fight Dorn and Sejal? I refuse. No. Okay. Now, what about Narda, though? I know. Narda. I'm getting stressed. Yeah, let's... <laughs> okay, okay move on. <laughs> Back to reality, no longer talking about the dreams. The Venon in real life have reached the nearest town, so time is ticking on Arisha. Violet tells Zayden she knows what they did wrong the first time they tried to put the wards up, but wants to wait until after the rune hunting to do it. So they fight mentally again. And Kat's like, are you two fighting silently? Salone's just like, yeah, they do that. <laughs> I love how everyone's like just accepting it at this right, point. Whatever, they're weirdos. <laughs> but I immediately thought that this was definitely a mistake. Like, Something is definitely going to happen. They should have just put the wards up once she knew how to fix them. Agreed. So they go on this rune hunting training, and this actually ends up helping Kat and Violet bond better. And Kat even compliments Violet on her control and her power, which you're like, okay. Yeah, you think this is going smooth. They're bonding. Things are going good. Then they fucking run into crazy cracked out one-eyed dragon soulless aka varish's dragon i knew that asshole would be back after he dodged tarn when he was chasing him through the tunnels 
There can be no loose ends left in a book series this good. For real. Violet ends up shielding Kat because she's a fucking angel worried about others as usual. Like, bitch should have just used her as a shield. But I guess that would be pretty cowardly. (laughs) (laughs) And Darna also covers them with her body and wings because she's fireproof as Solus shoots a fireball at them. The fucking teamwork in this scene, I was so proud from hating each other to teamwork and saving each other's life. It goes, and Darna distracts Solus. Violet pierces his only good eye with a dagger, leaves a small opening for Kat and Kira, her griffin, who grabs Salone by her pack, and Kat mounts to escape. Kat shoots an arrow into Solus after she gets clear to give Violet a chance to survive, and she could have fucking booked it, but no, she's there to also help Violet. And Darna locks her jaw on Solus's neck. Violet gets knocked out and thinks she's dead, getting dragged back by Liam. But it's Salone's fucking eyes she's looking up at. On top of it, it's revealed Salone is a goddamn siphon like Tarn's previous writer. I died laughing after all of this. She's like, oh my God, are my eyes red? Have I turned into a veteran? Right? She's like, I didn't know this was my sickness. So like, did I draw power from something else? Right. Like the venom do. But her signet is super important because she can naturally imbue items or imbue items, and that comes into play later on. And Darna makes the killing blow to Solus with her poison tip tail. Love when Tarn calls her Slayer as she walks out, like covered in Solus's blood. But apparently, it leaves a mark on the soul, even when in defense of yourself or your writer. So I don't know if that's going to come to play in the future, but. Slayer. (laughs) It's fucking sick right now. It is sick right now. (laughs) Violet ends up in the infirmary part 1000. She's always fucking there. No, you know what? Honestly, she's pretty good at wrapping herself up. I shouldn't hate on our girl V like that. Sorry. (laughs) But But again, we're we're there. Yeah, we're there. We're always there. Pretty much. Kat is with Violet thanking her for saving her life. And Zayden walks in overhearing and is like, what the fuck were you thinking saving Kat? (laughs) I'm dead. (laughs) Zayden also hits her with the, are you finally ready to talk about the deal I made with your mother? Like that came out of left field. (laughs) I was wondering though, why the fuck it was taking her so long to confront him about this. And then also Zayden could have just came out and told her like you didn't need to wait for her to ask. And then he says, I've been waiting for you to build up the courage or trust. Like, serious eye roll, dude. Not a good excuse. And then he has the nerve to put this all on her. Like, this is her fault. Like, that's why. Like, no. And she goes, I'm not mad about the deal. I'm mad that you kept it from me. That's exactly what Zayden is not getting. Like, Violet goes, how the hell am I in love with you when I feel like I barely know you? And then Satan with the dagger, because I let you live long enough for us to fall in love, which later like hurts more when you find out what his second signet is. And then Violet goes, how are we still having the same fight five months later? So annoying. They're fighting about secrets again. Yeah. I mean, I guess I understand his part, but also... I wouldn't want to be with anyone who's just hiding shit all the time. And he says, you know, all you have to do is ask. And most likely I'll tell you. It's like, again, 
most Wait, likely. Yeah, for real. And Violet explains that she was afraid to ask because, you know, what if their whole relationship was a lie? Did he only think I was attractive to piss my mother off? It's horrifying to think the only reason that he fell in love with her was because of the mother. On top of it, Zayden's second signet is revealed. Reading this, I was like, oh, she's got him now. She says, you want me to demand the truth to ask you something real? What's your second signet? Boom. Now she's asking questions, bitch. You ready to answer? (laughs) Because, Because Zayden's grandfather had Sagal as well. And if you bond a dragon in the same family as you, you either go insane or have two signets. And obviously he hasn't gone fucking bananas yet. But we find out, holy fuck, he's an intrinsic, which we totally called on the first podcast. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and I totally called it earlier in the beginning of this book, too. You so did. And I was fucking hype he could do this. It and just makes him that much more powerful. He already has the crazy ass shadows, and now he has this mind stuff. I know. He's so fucking hot. Um <laughs> <laughs> And Tarn's pissed that Sejal didn't even tell him. So Tarn is totally left in the dark on this one, which honestly, finally, I was like, at least Tarn is on the same level as her because before he was keeping shit from her. Yeah. But Sejal made Zayden promise not to tell anyone because she thought if anyone knew they would kill him or use him as a weapon. Because remember, we learned earlier that other writers that showed this signet were considered most dangerous and they were killed immediately. He is a specific type of intrinsic though, which is interesting because since they're all killed off, we didn't realize at first that there's different types. He specifically can read intentions. So he always knows his challenger's next move or who to trust. He can tell what he needs to say or what someone needs to hear. It's not necessarily reading thoughts. It's more reading subconscious motivations that come across as pictures. My heartstrings were pulled tight because Zayden doesn't want to tell her, thinking she won't love him. And then after, he says, it took less than a minute for you to fall out of love. But Violet counters, my love isn't fickle. The less than a minute? That was a goddamn dagger to my heart. Yeah, that hurt. her and if she didn't have that response back I would have been really upset yeah I get it you know she still loves him but now you know she has to think about like is he like Dane like was he just manipulating her into Mm -hmm. loving him this whole time like do I actually even love him like this just like there's so many mind fucks in this book but like this one is just such a big one because then I was even questioning I was like does he even love her like has he been just saying this shit because you know he wants to utilize her power because you know he made that deal with the mom like it just (sighs) even the fluff was making me still spin in my head like I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen agreed now that they're finally back from this rune training they're going to go try to get the Wardstone up. So previously they thought it was just the strongest riders and dragons, but it actually has to be the strongest from each dragon den. Plus, once a dragon imbues a stone, they can't do another, which is very important for later. So the wild magic 
tames and extends to the cliffs up to a four hour flight away. So they're officially protected. Right. And in this scene, you see that Violet has confusion about this because back in the day when they first put up the wardstones, they had two. So she's like, why didn't they activate the other stone? Like they had enough right. dragons there. So why wouldn't they want to protect more of Navarre if they could? And of course, the fucking Wyvern are coming again. There's this dark cloud of Wyvern coming up, including 17 Venon, and that's only where Zayden and Violet are. The others are spread out and facing even more. So they're so outmatched. It's terrifying. These wards need to work. Zayden says, I love you even if you believe nothing else I ever say. Please believe that. And Tarn's like, do not speak to her as if death is a possibility. (laughs) So (laughs) grumpy. So funny. The wards worked but are not perfect since the flyers still have power and we find out the Wervin aren't completely actually dead. The ones that went through and tested it. Right. And I'm thinking at first, like, it kept the venom out, but the flyers still have power. So, like, where's the bad in this? Right. Yeah. This seems like a good outcome. Better than Basquith, right? No. <laughs> Zayden begs Violet to let him in, which just crushes me. She's blocked him out mentally through their bond. I'm glad she did end up letting him in because he seems to genuinely love her and I want them to be endgame. She says... After she opens the bond, did you ever use your signet to glean information to influence my feelings in any way? He's like, never. But I have always lacked a certain element of self-control when it comes to you. And our bond makes it way too easy for you to send your intentions without even realizing it. So he admits he knew she wanted him to kiss her on the wall that first time in fourth wing. But then I start thinking... How about all those other times when he's like, violence, what are you thinking right now? He was literally getting images of them fucking flashing in his head because that was her intention. I love that she could probably use this as a weapon in the next books. Like, <laughs> It also explains why he needed to hear her say she loves him again because he knew probably from intentions that she wants to say it, but just can't get herself to say it. But he needs her to fully accept that feeling and be like, I love you. And obviously at the time, he didn't want to expose that he can read her intentions. But Right. So Sejal and Tarn are still fighting over the fact that Sejal didn't tell Tarn about Zayden's second signet. And right. it's like, everyone knows mom and dad are fighting, which was like, <laughs> LOL, but also like my heart hurts. Like the yeah. mates are not getting along. Like, honestly, Zayden and Violet have to be feeling that animosity somehow. And Melgren ends up calling a meeting and he says, you know, we let you go to the people of the rebellion. Right. Which I did think about this, like, why didn't, you know, Navarre leadership do anything this time around? Because last time there was a rebellion, they rounded all the rebels up and killed them. But I think maybe it's different this time because there's so many riders involved. Yeah. And that goes against, like, you know, killing other dragons, the Empyrean rolling over stuff, that kind of Right, and the Empyrean also let on the dragon side, let them have their choice. Right. So I don't think Melgren can just like make the decision to just kill all of them. 
And one important thing that he says during this and the whole reason he called the meeting was that he foresaw Samara falling to the venom due to the wards failing and is asking and basically borderline attempting to force them yeah. to come and help, you know, protect at Samara. Yeah. What's really cool about this meetup, too, is multiple not-so-dead writers show their faces. For example, Melgren thought Ulysses was dead, and Ulysses is still bitter. He goes, I think we'll sit this one out. A kingdom who never comes to the aid of others doesn't deserve the aid in their time of need. Personally, I think you all deserve whatever the dark wielders do to you. Yeah, I was like, damn, Ulysses is brutal. But also, he has a good point. Like, I'd still want to help if I could, though, because... You know, there's innocent civilians that live within those, right. you know, areas. And it's not their fault that their leadership is corrupt. So true. That color drain on Mama Sorengale's face when she sees Brennan is alive was so epic. Like, oh, yeah, Ulysses, he's not dead. But Brennan and for Lilith to be there. And he doesn't even fucking acknowledge her. He just addresses the whole group with Melgren and goes, we rule by committee and we do not defend kingdoms who sacrifice neighboring civilians. You will not escape the suffering you forced the rest of the continent to endure. And then addressing his mom specifically says, when all three of your children stand against you, perhaps the time has come for self-reflection. We deny your offer of peace and happily accept war since it sounds like you won't survive another two weeks to fight it. Mike fucking dropped. Dude, yes. Honestly, I agree with them, though. Like, they should be putting their focus into getting the other wards up and just evaluate that area and move on because fuck them. They don't care about anyone else. True. General Sorengale still steps forwards because she knows that their new wards are failing already and will eventually totally fail. So she gives them the other journal Lyra's journal that Violet was actually tortured over, but is the key to the information they are missing. Right. At this point, for Lilith, I think she is a good guide to me. Like she may be siding with the leadership, but in the end, she is doing the right thing. Like she just really does love her children. Yeah. The fact that she gave them the key to fixing the wards. No, she didn't translate it, but she knows it will help her kids at least prove she has somewhat of a heart. Somewhat, at least for them. Yeah. (laughs) Zayden has a conversation with Violet where he opens up about how they got their relics. The rebellion kids were given stones with protection runes in them from Liam's mom. And when the parents were burned, the rune stones triggered and caused their marks. So the stones were designed to counter the signet of whatever writer killed their parents, and they would only activate by dragon fire, which is actually the primary way of killing traitors. So fast forward to when their parents got roasted alive by Melgren's dragon, it activated the protection rune in the relic, leaving behind the marks starting at their hands where they held the stone a.k.a. eventually showing, protecting them from Melgren's signet, the whole thing where if there's more than three of them, Melgren can't see shit. Yeah, and what's interesting, too, is one of the theories we had in the first book, we talked about, does the size of the relic matter? Does that stand for, you know, a younger versus older 
rebellion kid, but no, it really is just the leftover mark of that rune magic in the stones that they were holding. And I also want to reiterate, because I did not originally catch this until we were going back and looking at quotes we had highlighted, that is the reason that Melgren cannot see war outcomes with three or more of them. That mark, that rune, counters this signet of the dragon that kills their parents. So that's why it's his signet in particular that is blocked. No one else's. And finally, they promise no more ask me BS. Thank God. Violet says, you're my gravity. Nothing in the world works without you. Gravity, Zayden whispers, a slow, beautiful smile curving his mouth. The force we can never escape. I love that quote so so much it's like they can never escape their love for each other which is also fucking terrifying knowing what that venom had said to them about you'll change for love or whatever so it's like fuck even when it's fluffy it's like there's still a double meaning yeah you have anxiety (laughs) your heart's swelling and then it's constricting (laughs) exactly At this point, Zayden reveals to Violet that his mom left when he was 10 because it was in her marriage contract to have a kid and she only had to stay around until the kid turned 10. So Zayden turned 10. She fucking dipped, which I feel like Zayden's mom is going to come back in these next books and we'll discuss it later in the theories. But she's not just mentioning this. I feel like there has to be a bigger story with the mom. Right. Why casually mention the mom is alive? She could have been dead, you know? Right. They never said that she was dead too. She's just "Mm -hmm." out there. So anyways, we'll get into that. Back to class, back to battle brief. The wards are up. We need to start getting ready to fight. And the Venon are heading to Navarre again anyways. So Samar is about to be attacked. Melgren basically has to choose between arming his forces or keeping the power supply concentrated in the armory, since the daggers are what extend the wards, but can also be used to kill the venom. They also realized that Melgren was bluffing, banking on them not fully understanding how the wards worked. He used a scare tactic to get them to agree to fight, and it didn't work. Right, because they realize that Samara is actually a distraction and that the Venon are going to be coming for the veil. And so they were like, oh, shit, like Melgren can't see that there's actually going to be a fight there because there's more than three rebel kids there. And then also just like going back to Melgren, like lying and, you know, trying to trick them like what a fucking piece of shit. Like, you think that you can do that and they're just going to come and fight for you? Like, I don't care if your dragon and your signet are powerful. That's just, like, you're not a good leader. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Two words. Fuck off. And that's basically exactly what the Revolution Assembly says. They do not approve joining their battle. So Violet and her squad go with an additional about 50 large, I believe, right? Including Mira, Garrick, and Zayden. I love how they were still like, okay, look, like we're here for protecting the people. Like we don't care. 
what you say. Like we wanted your help, but even if you're not going to help, we're still going to go out there and protect people because in the end we're doing the right thing for not only the hatchlings, but everyone's life. Yeah. So including all of those civilians that, you know, don't deserve to die. They're innocent. Exactly. And I'm just like, wouldn't it be nice if we all just stopped fighting each other and put all this effort into defeating the fucking venom who are like the actual problem in this just doesn't make any sense. So they roll up to Basgate and go to the mom, Violet's mom, and ask her to go check the wards. And at first she's like, no, like the wards are fine, like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, you overconfident bitch, take us to them. So reluctantly, they end up going down to the wardstone underneath Bathscathe. Sure enough, the guards are dead. The wardstone is also notably twice as large as the one in Orisha, and the rings and runes carved into it are interrupted by a diamond pattern, plus it's on fire lit on the top by black flames. So I don't know how this is going to play into the Orisha wardstone, but do they have to carve and add more runes into it? Who knows? We'll have to see if that's something that even plays into the next <gasps> books. But What if the runes that are like carved into the wardstone have to do with why the Griffin Flyers aren't able to use their powers within. So like what if they can, you know, with the one in Orisha. They can actually use their powers. Right. Interesting. That would be nice. Can we adjust the one in fucking Basquith too then? Like, hello, they're allies now. Regardless, back to the actual situation at hand because Jack and his fucking dragon bait are there and Bade's eyes are opaque instead of golden. And that's because Jack is a fucking venom controlling his dragon. <laughs> I knew he was evil. Like this guy was never going to be good. Nah, that nice shit was fake. And Nolan, who genuinely used to be nice, fucking knew about Jack this whole time because he's been trying to heal him. That's the soul he was trying to heal. And on top of it, you realize Jack has been a venom since before he challenged Violet first year. Right, because that's why she was feeling like she was being drained during the challenge. And also, Jack is the reason why they made that signet serum because they've been controlling him with it because they're like, oh, he has the venom power, but if we can block his signet, then he can't, you know, basically go off the rails. Right. My jaw dropped when Jack sacrificed his own dragon, bleeding her out into the wardstone, which extinguishes its flames and it falls, bringing the wards down. There's someone who says it's unfathomable, impossible, and yet Bade is most certainly dead as Jack falls to his knees and laughs up at the sky. Disgusting. Absolutely heart-crushing. And even worse, Jack adds... But make no mistake, we are already among you, and now we are free. Okay, why is this even worse than I had ever imagined the ending being? Anyone with bloodshot eyes best be locked the fuck away and interrogated. I don't trust any of you bitches. I don't care if you don't got enough sleep. We need to figure out a test. Exactly. Like, if you even have, like, a hint, like, you're going in. Sorry, not sorry. No. And just the fact that they 
let Jack live and we're trying to mend him. I'm still just not understanding why. Like, I know that they were just running tests on him, but they should have never let him out then. Like, they should have kept him locked up. Like, they're just fucking idiots at this point. And Jack keeps mentioning him, saying, what makes you so special to Violet? Which is totally about the Venom leader or leaders because we don't know how many right. there are or the main leader right or is it the venom leader in her nightmares the maven that ends up dying or is it another maven dude the we possibilities. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like next book we need to be interrogating the shit out of jack because he knows some sort of like leadership thing whatever and we need to know this information. Like we need to just maybe, you know, still run tests on him, but we need to be torturing him to get information. Well, out of considering him. they got rid of all the fucking history, the amount of information they're probably missing is just unfathomable. Dane does try to get some information from him, though, right in that very moment, because I mean, there's about to be a fucking war. He outs his ability to everyone in this Wardstone room, reading Jack's memories and he now knows, even with all of them coming to Basque's rescue, plus who was already in Navarre, it's still not enough compared to the Werven horde that's coming. He also sees runes or lure boxes placed all over Basque and the veil that Jack left, which were also used to target different towns, such as in Resson. So that box in the first book where you're like, why are they all going for this box? You finally know, oh, okay, that was a lure box. Since Basquith doesn't teach runes, this is extra fucked. Like they do not have the proper knowledge that they've actually been teaching out in Orisha. So thank God they came to their rescue and actually know how to disarm these. On top of it, an important note, Jack grabs Dane's arm and starts draining him and it leaves these gray handprints. I wonder what's going to happen with those handprints. If he's going to have trouble wielding with that arm, if he's going to have a lower percentage of ability with his signet, or will it just Does heal? Does it slowly eat away at him like Ooh. Dumbledore in the Horcrux? I didn't even think about that possibility. I'm scared. <laughs> and we wanted him to die the last book. No, look. No, God damn it. Jesus, Rebecca Yaros. <laughs> You're really putting us through it. Thank God Brennan and the Flyers come to their senses, though, and show up as reinforcements. And I love that when he shows up, Violet and Zayden are like about to fuck. And you just hear, disengage your body parts. (laughs) (laughs) The Flyers hunt the rest of the runes, which they are really good at because they've never been kept away from that knowledge. And they're fast on the ground. They also try to use Brennan to mend the Wardstone with Fourth Wing guarding him. Jasenia additionally has flown in with them on a griffin and is in the archives finishing translating. So they've really got everyone put to work. There's an important quote at the beginning of one of the chapters from the Journal of Lyra. It says, I am alone in thinking the knowledge of wards, the protections they provide, should not solely benefit Navarre, and it has cost me everything kind of sounds similar to what they said about Naolin, doesn't it it has cost me everything up shut up i thought she was dead dude but now what if she's the fucking leader of the venom knock it off knock it off (laughs) (laughs) 
knock it off. I, I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm just going to throw right. that out there. All right. If I didn't already have anxiety prepping for this battle, thank you for adding to it. Because <laughs> I was like, she killed off Liam last time. So like, what the fuck is she going to do this time? And even Riddick says, so scared. I'm pretty sure either my heart's going to give out or I'm going to shit myself. Like literally same. That's where I was at. <laughs> And the war is about to begin and there's different waves of venom coming through. So this first wave has about a thousand venom to kill, which you're just like, fuck, like, how are they going to do this? And I was picturing when Harry Potter is fighting the Death Eaters who swarm the clouds. So like same kind of overwhelming battle. Defeat seems certain, but they still fight hard and Violet fills the storm clouds that Mama Sorengale brings in, which is like, shout out her. She's helping her out. But it stops the Griffins from flying, so they have to run ground patrol with the infantry. Violet starts proving her control, and all this practice has not been for nothing, by killing as many Venon as she can, directly pointing her fingers with the conduit. She says, I pull lightning from the sky so quickly that I no longer feel like I direct the storm. I am the storm. The second wave hits. A young Venon called an Asim jumps onto Tarn's back, but V's stuck in her saddle, so Reed jumps from her dragon, protecting V. Major Liam trigger. I was so, so scared reading this so fast because my anxiety is so spiked. Sawyer fucking kicks a Wervin in the face, saving his dragon, but gets half his goddamn leg bitten off. Violet successfully does a running landing off Tarn onto Riddick's dragon, then fucking climbs onto that Wervin that's latched onto his dragon and is like, oh, yo, Riddick, take this exploding crossbow and shoot it once I jump off the Wervin. And so she jumps from the Wervin onto Sawyer's dragon, who now has half a goddamn leg, saves him. And there's this explosion in the background of Riddick killing that Wervin. This bitch fucking grabs Sawyer and his bleeding out leg and jumps into the goddamn air. Tarn, thank God, catches them in his claws. Good Lord. This <laughs> scene, I mean, you sitting on the edge of your seat. <laughs> yeah, you had my heart racing like right? while you were going through it. That's a good fucking recap. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's not even done yet. Then you're crying because Sawyer is dying. And Violet's like, please, Sawyer, please. We all said we'd live until graduation, remember? And he's like, I remember. <laughs> he's like barely fucking alive. Then you're crying even harder when Terrence freaked out because Sagal and Zayden are in danger and V sees the giant tendrils of shadow from within a wall of gray. The anxiety, dude. <sighs> yeah. And this is only the second goddamn wave. For real. We find out that the Venon are under orders not to kill Violet. And they're like, yeah, so don't make this difficult for us. Like, come with us. Like, okay, yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's right. definitely what's going to happen. And then one of them also says, you'll be so much fun for him to wield. Which again, like, what do the Venon want with her? Like, does it have to do with the lightning? Does it have to do with her potential second signet or both? Like, how are they going to turn around and use her lightning, which is used to kill them, and then also wield her? Like, it yeah. has to maybe do with, like, how their subconsciousnesses are, like, connected. Yeah. Possibly. But that would mean, obviously, she would have to turn Venom. 
All right, I'm getting off topic. Well, but like, let me even uh, add to that. It says for him to wield. So who is this guy? Is it someone possibly we may know from the history past that has turned Venom as a leader? Or is it literally the maven that's there who ends up getting killed? We don't know. Yeah. But some interesting theories can come from that. Anyways, Violet kills the ASIM because he's just blah, blah, blabbing. And the Dark Wielder, though, pops over, destroys her conduit, and levitates her, removing her ability to move or to talk. And so that really just proves, like, ASIM versus Dark Wielder, even just that difference is huge. Also, this is just like her dreams. Right. And I fucking knew the dreams were going to be important. And... I was just like, she needs to be talking to people about these dreams. Right. Like, we could have been picking these apart and, like, this could have been helping. Yeah. Instead, I think Tarn even says to her one time within the books, like, oh, you know, dreams are not something I should be concerned with. Go back to sleep or whatever. I- exactly. And it's like, really, buddy? Yeah. Doesn't Dude, if you would have just so. talked it out. Bro. Bro. Okay. And Darna, to the fucking rescue. Again. Violet's levitating. You think she's fucked, but no. And Darna has been hiding like a little boulder. She crawls out. I could cry. Her ability to blend in is unreal. And she finally breathes fire. Meanwhile, Jasenia finally finished translating. And the difference between Lyra and Warwick's journal was that it's actually seven, not six. So there are seven circles on the wardstone in Arisha, seven runes. So six in the one, seven. So they have six dragons that they used originally, black, blue, green, orange, brown, red. But now there's this seventh den, which I totally called and Darna being that seventh den because I just kept thinking, why is her scales... So shimmery. Yeah. There's no way they're just saying that just because like, oh, blah, blah, No. And her firepower just now started like how fucking convenient. I called that shit, you guys. And Darna even reveals this at this point to Violet and says, if you didn't figure it out, you weren't worthy of knowing. I waited until your 18th summer when I heard our elders talk of the weakling daughter of their general and I knew. You would have the mind of a scribe and the heart of a writer. You would be mine. You are as unique as I am. We want the same things. Your mind trope, but in a different way. (laughs) (laughs) They were literally made for each other. It's almost like what you said earlier too, how her having the kind of messed up wing almost makes them made for each other. And even in Darna admitting this, even more so. And Darna also confirms she was purposefully left behind to be an egg for 650 years. So if the wards needed to go up, they had another dragon of her breed. Finally, it's the last wave. The Venon leader has arrived, a.k.a. the Maven, on the back of a larger Werven. So literally, they describe the sky of Werven, open up this circle, and the massive Werven just flies into it. I just picture, picture like Darth Vader in his fucking <laughs> spaceship and all the little ships moving aside. Super important. It's revealed this Venon, who is the Maven, is the one from her nightmares. Honestly, I was 0% shocked, though. That guy pulling up on a giant Werven, you know he's powerful. Plus, this is going to be the largest wave with the most dark wielders. And then Zayden throws in, oh, I think that Maven is here for me. And it wants Violet to use her power. It just doesn't end. 
it just doesn't end. The entire end of this book is just like, what? What? Wait, what? What? You know? Yeah. And it's like, do they want Zayden for power or something else? Because it seems like they want to wield Violet. But then it's not really saying like, you know, what do they want Zayden for? It is so annoying that it almost seems like she's going to ask him and then is like, whatever, we don't have time for this. But we want to know. Right. I know. We best find out in the next book. Violet being the fearless bad bitch she is speaks directly to Melgren's dragon, the giant fucking one, and is like, yeah, I'm sassy and I know your secret. Now come imbue the wardstone. The fucking balls. I know. And I love that that dragon literally responds to her and totally disregards Melgren. Like she was in control there. And it's like, that's really showing that, you know, Dominance is established, buddy. Like, <laughs> because Tarn and Melgan's dragon are from the same den. Yeah. And so it's just like, well, guess what? Which writer's in charge, bitch? Well, and on top of it, Tarn already imbued the stone at Arisha. So he can't do this one, which is exactly why she went straight up to this giant ass dragon and was like, yo, you're going to do this. I also just knew in my gut that her and Zayden separating is not a good idea. Violet checks in on him and the fight through Tarn's eyes. She then pushes herself to burnout, imbuing the stone to save everyone. Tarn and Indarna are begging her to stop. And she's just like, I'm sorry you had to lose two riders like this, Tarn. What, bitch? Honestly, so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. There's so many other people that could be helping you imbue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Like, don't be afraid to just ask for help. Right. They get Violet to stop. And they end up getting Violet to stop by her mom kicking her off the stone and Brennan heals her. But General Soringel gets Sloane to take all of her power and imbue the stone. So this was the sacrifice we needed to forgive, which we originally, you know, expected Dane would do. But, you know, it works for her, too. And she says as she's dying... There's nothing I wouldn't do to keep you safe. Do you understand? Everything was to get you to this moment when you'd be strong enough. You're everything we dreamed of you would be, all three of you, and I'll see him soon. Like, I was fucking crying. Like, I did not expect this character to die, but then the fact that I you know disliked her and then her dying impacted me so much like this was just the best thing that she could do she ends up dying fully imbuing the wardstone and brendan is holding her and violet and mira are catching up right after it's so sad i think what really got me though was when she's like i'll get to see him soon her husband like she really was just all about family So you do kind of have this feeling of like, okay, we forgive you. Like, go have peace. Yeah, I agree. They have the dragons come, including Indarna, who is the seventh den, and they get the wardstone working again, saving them from Wervin. But also Lilith accomplished her greatest goal, protecting her children. At the top of the next chapter after this, there is recovered unsent correspondence from General Lilith Sorengale, basically written to her dead husband saying, Most generals dream of dying in service to their kingdom, but you know me better than that, my love. When I fall, it will be for one reason only, to protect our children. I thought that was a really cool way to wrap up Lilith Sorengale's story. 
everyone's celebrating because the war is over. Riddick comes in and says, you should have seen it. The Wervin started falling from the sky like dead weights and the Venon panicked and ran. Leadership is hunting them down. The only people not celebrating is Violet, Brennan, and Mira who seem to be in shock. Rightfully so because their mom just died. But you know who else is fucking dying? Zayden. Violet opens up her mind to check on Zayden and is overwhelmed with pain. In his mind, she can hear him saying, I'm dying on the battlefield, the last of my strength fading, burning, consuming my body, but it will be worth it to save the one I love, Violet. And Darna says, Zayden needs you. Tarn and Sagal wait with him. Like, what? For what? What are they waiting for? Help him. But then he's standing when she comes up to him and he seems okay. Then says, he killed the sage, actually the maven, and broke some sort of tether he had to him. A couple things I thought in this moment. It was an instant red flag that he wouldn't hold Violet's gaze or her hand. Two, what tether was broken? And three, what the fuck? He's a venom. What the fuck? I never no. expected that. I know. I never saw one theory on that. I never thought about it. Nope. I thought she would have killed him off. Right. And now I got to deal with this shit. Like, oh, Jesus. And after that bomb is dropped, you get the last chapter. In Zayden's point of view, and it's revealed he has the same nightmares as Violet, who again, communication is key, people. You could have been talking about this, but no. I know. There's a lot of theories around this, how like Violet was actually seeing his dreams, but I think it's more plausible that they both were having the same very specific dreams because in her dream, she couldn't get to Tarn fast enough. It's like he wouldn't be trying to get to Tarn in his dreams. And True. I think those dreams were caused by either a sage or a maven infiltrating their minds, which goes along with this theory that not only is, you know, this main venom sage possibly the seventh writer from the beginning when the wards went up, but Ooh. also the first intrinsic oh, because, shit. you know, if anyone showed this signet, they were killed immediately and they adjusted all the journals to write out that other type of dragon and no other dragons of that type are there anymore. So something must have happened with this seventh writer you know, where he ended up going bad Holy and becoming fuck. venom. And then this is also the part where it's confirmed that, you know, this sage in quotations from the dreams is actually a maven. So it's like, we don't even know who the, like all of these people in the venom are. Like we thought this guy from the dreams was going to be it. And like he was the main person, but then Zayden ends up killing him. So it's like, what right. the fuck is happening? Something important that I just thought of is after this part of Zayden's chapter, the rest of it is describing the new nightmare he has, which is actually reliving what happened to him in real life, which I'll go into detail about in a second. But it'll be interesting to see if Violet's dreams slash actual nightmares continue in the next book because that would mean she's actually having her mind infiltrated by a different maven now that this one is dead. You know what I mean? Because now right. Zayden's nightmares are actually memories. 
Right. And it would be interesting to know if that nightmare was exactly how reality happened because then that's probably what Violet's is going to be. Wait, wait, wait. So then if that's true, then we don't necessarily know that the sage that's infiltrating her mind potentially in her own dreams is actually a maven or is it a sage? Most likely a maven because it seems like the mavens have more power. Yeah, I was going to say, but we if, don't know for sure. But if they're different, then, uh, okay. All right. Girl, I don't know. I'm we so excited to see where this goes. Out. But <laughs> to go into detail about how Zayden was actually turned venom and the new nightmare turned memory, Tarn, oh God, and this part is so hard to relive. Reread, I guess I should say, but I feel like I'm living it. Yeah. <laughs> Tarn and Sagel are fighting a mass swarm of Wervin, trying to get to Zayden, but he's already drained and the Maven is threatening Violet's life. So you know for a fact this Maven just directed all the Wervin to take those two big-ass dragons down because he wants Zayden. So Zayden reaches for the power in the earth to use it to kill the Maven, but now he's a Venon. And just as the other Venon said he was going to do it for love, that Maven threatened Violet's life. Boom, he turns Venon trying to save her. Do you think that was the purpose of the Maven to get him to turn and then die? I mean, that's how powerful Zayden is. Can you imagine how powerful he would be if he got to the level of a Maven? He would be the fucking ruler of all the Venon. Yeah. He's so powerful, barely becoming a Venon because of his signet that he takes out the goddamn Maven. I mean, Jesus, I'm scared of the possibilities. It, it is interesting to me that, again, like the Venom kept saying, like, we have to keep Violet alive. We can't kill her. But yeah. then for Zayden, it's like, mm, we could kill you or you could turn Venom. So it's like they don't really care as much about him being alive. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the Maven had to know, like, once he reached into the earth, he was going to die. Like, there's just no other way right. that was going to go. I have no idea. It's it's trippy to get into the details of right. this book. Zayden ends up after having this nightmare, memory, whatever you want to call it. He wakes up. He goes to Jack Barlow, who is still in holding, and asks, what is the cure? Because, again, Jack is an asim as well. He's like a baby venom, essentially. But Jack says... There is no cure. You can never give back what's taken. You'll only hunger for more. Zayden instantly responds, I'd rather die than become one of you. So at least we know he's not instantly evil from turning venom and still wants to be good. But how long can he fight this hunger that Jack claims is going to basically consume all his thoughts? I just hope that they can find a cure and that Violet doesn't give up on him because if she does, I truly think he'll give over to the dark side. Dude, I am not ready for this next book. Like, I think we're going to lose him. I think he's going to go full Venom. I think her and Zayden are going to have some sort of face off in the sky or some shit in the fourth book with maybe some sort of dual POV. That would be sick. And this also opens up the theories of possibly Dane being the real enemies to lovers. Oh, or are we no. going to get like an enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers again? Like, I just oh, need 
Zayden to be cured and be endgame. But I'm also just like not ready for the third book for like the venom sex. Like, I don't know if I'm okay with that. Like, I don't know if I want her to fuck him if he's venom. Like, what if he ejaculates in her and like that puts some venom in her and like some shit happens? I don't know. Well, dude, that's kind of like part of one of our theories with fucking Violet and Lilith. So speaking of theories, that's the end of part two. That's the end of Iron Flame. We kind of touched on our theories here and there throughout the episode, but we're really going to break them down right now. The first theory we have is just starting from the top. Jack said there are more venom among them. In a chapter heading where they have those quotes, it explains the redness of eyes can define how old or powerful a venom is. So the lowest level initiates have red rings that come and go depending on how often they drain. So that's kind of like what Zayden would be right now and what Jack was. Asim's eyes fluctuate in degree of red and their veins distend when riled. So an Asim is the venom type that jumped on the back of Tarn when Violet was stuck in the saddle. Sages, those are responsible for initiates. They're like the teachers. Their eyes are permanently red. Their veins perpetually distended toward their temples, expanding with age. So that those sages are the ones that usually wear like the purple robes, I believe. And that one and Resson had a staff. So they're like kind of the leaders of the students in a way, the ASIMs and the initiates, right? And then mavens are their generals. They have never been captured or examined. So we don't actually know what they look like in Zayden's Nightmare. The maven is not fully described to an extent where we could add more, but we do know he laughed when Zayden said, you're a sage. He was like, ha ha ha, no, I'm a general. So we know for a fact that's the next step up. Right. But then in that as well, Zayden's thing, he thought that he was a sage. So like they must look pretty similar to a sage. Ah, good so point. So I don't know if, you know, maybe there's not like a very clear distinction through them until yeah. they actually use their power or something. Because I don't think we actually saw the maven like – do maven things besides the fact that he had like this big ass waiver in that you know like he right. came in on exactly um, and he was able to control such a mass horde of them to distract the dragons and basically was um, immune to zayden's shadows until he took from the earth so right and then now it just comes to the point it's like who do you think is venon and first off i definitely think varish was venon he was way too close to this situation Plus the mention of death-like breath of his dragon and how he seemed to control it and assume Violet could control hers kind of seems kind of like venom type thought process. Yeah, and also he was stabbed with one of those alloy daggers, which then, you know, eventually he gets killed. So like those are what kill venom. So it would make sense that, you know, he died. Yeah. Then we have the Jack 2.0 guy that snapped the girl's neck when she said that she was Violet. And it was mentioned that his eyes were rimmed with red, a.k.a. Young Venon. (laughs) That could be a rapper name, Young Venon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so for this particular part, we actually went back and checked. It's not clarified if an alloy dagger was used or if it was one of Zayden's rune daggers that took him down or if maybe younger Venon are easier to kill. There's so much we can still learn about this. The entire scene, she just refers to her daggers as daggers, blade, never says alloy. But that guy definitely had red-rimmed eyes, and it's confirmed that the red rim, specifically around the iris and all that, is a venom. A venom, yes. Yeah. And that leads me to think also that saggy ball Dane's dad <laughs> <laughs> is venom. Because one, him and Varsh were definitely working together, and you know we already think Varsh is a venom. And then... Jack 2.0 was working for him as well. And he seems most likely to be Venom. So it's really pointing towards him, you know, not being good. And reiteration from earlier, like we said, he doesn't show up in the rest of the entire book, not even for the war against the Venom. And fucking Melgren called the whole squad to come out and protect the veil. So, like, dude, where you at? Yeah, for, yeah. For where you at? real. <sighs> Over him. Um, <laughs> big sigh. <laughs> the biggest one, though, for me is I think Violet's mom was a venom because I think at some point in her pregnancy, maybe she was trying to save Violet from dying. You know, maybe something was wrong with her pregnancy, or maybe she was actually like dying in a battle and had to draw power and become a venom. Is I think that would explain why Violet has those physical limitations. And then also the biggest thing from Fourth Wing is her hair. It's like everyone's looking at her hair like, what the fuck? That's kind of what happens to Venom, except it's from the root down and Violet's from the tip. Yeah. So that would kind of make sense there. Also in Fourth Wing in our theories, we had said we thought that Violet's mom may had been stabbed by a venom, which then drained some power from where the baby is, similar to how the venom drained power in Resin. And so that may be why she has the gray hair as well. Right. And then we also have this letter from Nolan to Lilith saying that there is no cure only control for venom which originally i thought this was related to jack but i don't think lilith had anything to do with him i think nolan was just working with varish but also nolan wrote the letter at that time he was a lieutenant colonel and now he's a colonel which is a step above lieutenant colonel so this was clearly written in the past before he started working on jack Ooh, that's a good catch. Yeah. Also, bitch, (laughs) chapter 12 in Fourth Wing, where Violet and Mira are talking about the fable books, and they're recalling the one time that they got scared when their mom came home from battle and were freaked out because her eyes were red, and they were like, she's a venom. Dude, holy shit. Because now that you're saying it, I do remember that. I didn't even think anything of it. I was just like, that is such a random story to share. Hello, this is why you need to pick up on everything (laughs) because that detail is actually super fucking important. Now I'm thinking you're fucking on to something here with Violet's mom, dude. There's something going on. You're really on to Plus, maybe that's why Lilith couldn't just imbue the Wardstone herself and needed Salone to take her power from her to imbue it because if she was a Venon, wouldn't she, instead of giving power, take the power? Like, why didn't you just do it yourself? You know? Mm -hmm. Also, 
I bet that's why Lilith stayed in Navarre as well. She needed the wards to keep the Ven inside at bay. Just like Zayden at the end was like, we should stay here because look at my eyes. It helps me, yeah. Lastly, I think if she is confirmed to be Venon and her husband was looking for a cure, it was mentioned that he was researching the feather tail specifically and maybe there is yet a cure to be found that Nolan failed to. Side note, why the fuck don't we know Violet's dad's name ever? D- that's seriously sus to me because there are some of those tidbit chapters where yeah. it says something that says like unknown like don't know who wrote this like what if it's like the dad and like we just don't know his name for a reason yeah that's just like super weird it is weird like they could have just said his name in the beginning could be like fucking frank i don't fucking know yeah doesn't matter why 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 shouldn't we know that is suspicious speaking of parental figures back to zayden's mom i think she is some sort of sage or maven within the venom because that would explain why she was just so casually mentioned and then dipped out on Zayden. And the fact that the venom really want him, but like, like we said, like the maven was fine with killing him, but also they were like, you should turn venom. Like, I feel like if the mom was a sage that she's trying to get him over like to her somehow that would yeah that makes sense actually because you don't just leave a loose end like that for real and also i've seen theories on that naolin tarn's previous writer is the sage so brennan and tarn never say that naolin died so that specific term is not used and Tarn always says he never wants to talk about it in detail. Like, don't mention the previous writer. And Brennan just says he gave up everything, cost him his soul, humanity, his bond with his dragon. But didn't say died. Dude, that makes me wonder how Tarn isn't connected to Naolin then if he really did turn Venon and is still alive. I think it has to do do with the fact that like his soul bond with Tarn broke and then he turned Venon, you know, like right before he like died, died. So therefore like their connection was broken. So he can't control Tarn like Jack was controlling Babe. Ah, so somehow okay. like the connection was lost because I think he basically like burnt out his signet trying to save Brennan, but wasn't actually dead yet oh okay so he had actually burned out because my thought instantly was like i would like to know why his bond broke but jacks did not if that theory is proven true but yeah maybe it has to do with the burnout and he just hit a certain stage where that bond breaks and then he turns venom and you're separate right trippy i wonder if like brennan was like just do it like just draw the power and i wonder if this is like because you know the beginning stages of a venom they're like you know not drawing a lot of power i wonder if he just like bumped himself up to a sage because he had to draw so much power from the ground to like stay alive whoa dude okay Moving on, next one. Moving on, next. Woo! Okay. Kind of in line with what we were just talking about. I'm curious, can, 
like riders can actually live without their dragons like Jack, but have to be Venon. So do we think Zayden can live without Sagal now that he's an ASIM? I definitely know, you know, that they still have a bond, but that bond is strained. And I think that Zayden now has the ability to control her, which is making her scared, which is why she's, you know, cutting herself off from him. And honestly, that's a concern for Tarn as well, because they're mates. But true. I do think that he could survive, but I just don't think that Violet could survive. So I think if Sejal died, Tarn's going to die. Violet's going to die. But I don't think Sejal dies. Zayden dies. So what's interesting is if the theory of Lilith is proven to be true, clearly you can stay Venon in the wards and control yourself to a degree and stay bonded to your dragon in a healthy relationship like she was. If this is right, it also means Zayden or Violet can die and not kill the other, which I think would leave Zayden having to die unless there's a cure. Or they both turn, like we said earlier, and they fucking... We're not going there. We're not doing it. (laughs) If the next book ends with her turning Venon, I'm going to fucking lose my mind. I can't. Okay, my last theory is they're searching for, quote unquote, what killed off the Venon 600 years ago during the Great War. Theory one, it would be Violet and her lightning plus her second signet as the, you know, thing that killed off the Venon, right? I'm sticking to what I said in our fourth wing episode where I think because she said her lightning power was so deadly and unlike her at her core in her opinion that her next power will be the opposite. Maybe some sort of healing or bringing back to life. Something that's going to basically help them. I also do want to say earlier, yes, I did say her second signet could be related to feeling the alloy daggers and all of that. But I do like the reference to power has to balance, right? So during our spotlight interview with Chelsea at What Chelsea Reads Lately, she made a really interesting comment that she thinks Violet's second signet will be the cure for Venom, which totally aligns with my healing theory to balance her powers as well as nature needing balance. Right. I think definitely Violet, no matter what, like she was made for Venom, like to kill yeah. them, to cure them. Everything related to her has to be related to Venom. I totally agree. My second theory is that the thing in the Great War that took all the Venom out has to do with the seventh dragon breed, a.k.a. Andarna. First off, how did they know that that breed would die off and were like, let's save this egg? What? I think maybe it has to do with this is almost like the beginning of time kind of like the dragons were there before but maybe there weren't a lot of dragons of each den and maybe there was only a small amount so they got killed off for whatever reason but they always keep you know a hatchling around like they weren't gonna be like or maybe someone in the Empyrean was like protecting her I don't know yeah there's so many possibilities I definitely think in Darna could be the key and so they left her as a backup in case this happened again basically like the great war could be like world war one and now this is world war two or the great war two right yeah 
And as we see her grow, she may have certain abilities we do not know of since there is no recorded history saved about her kind. You know what they need to do is we need to go back in that royal archives and we need to look at all that shit. Let's comb through that shit. I agree. I think maybe the seventh breed was whatever dragon the sage had because I feel like the main sage or like maven whatever is the seventh rider and was used to make the wards originally. Then something went wrong and they turned Venon and they were like, we got to kill off all of these other dragons so we can't do it again. And also dragon fire can't kill Venon. Hence why we need Violet's lightning powers and the alloy daggers. But Andarna's dragon fire did kill one. Oh, shit, dude. How did I not catch that? Like, holy shit. Yeah, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. Yeah, because if I think back to like Resin and stuff and this big war, all Tarn can do is rip their necks off or break them. And he's a big ass fucking dragon. Why wouldn't his firework? And then Darna burns a vent into a crisp. Exactly. Holy shit. she is like extremely key she and also start having fucking babies yeah, <laughs> yeah she just needs to start like just like breathing fire everywhere right. like, can you procreate and make an army of little indarnas so we can win this goddamn war because For i'm real. nervous fuck the wards we need baby indarnas yeah. so many possibilities again and you know all i know is there are too many damn secrets. And next book, <laughs> yeah. we all need to start communicating, laying everything out on the table so we can start fixing shit and get back to Zayden's throne. Okay? Please and thank you. We still don't know when the third book is actually coming out, but we do know this series has been confirmed to be four to five books. So once Rebecca Yaros has released something official on that third book, we will definitely let you know via Instagram and on the pod. Time for our spotlight. This episode, we're spotlighting one of our favorite fourth wing and iron flame artists, Pink Fairy. I instantly connected with her during our interview because my bookish journey is very similar with one of our favorite books being Pride and Prejudice. Plus, we both started ACOTAR early COVID, which, and I'm quoting her on this, is like a gateway drug to being a book addict. (laughs) Very accurate. So spot on. (laughs) Speaking of Akatar, during our interview, she revealed one of her first pieces was Morgan in Battle Leathers, which popped off on TikTok and led her to find two of her best friends who she traveled with and even went to the Eras tour. So sick. I am trying to make bookish friends like that. I mean, I know you're like my bookish friend, but it's we cool need to meet- more. <laughs> yeah, it's cool to meet more and all over the world. It's so fun. Also, the way she said that this community is what really draws you in is so true. We're so, so glad to add her to ours. Check out her page. She is accepting commissioned pieces case by case and specializes in bringing scenes that may not always be drawn to life. So if you have an idea, hit her up. You can also check out her existing art, which for major books such as Fourth Wing and Iron Flame typically has spoiler warnings on both her TikTok and Instagram at Paint Fairy, which is P-A-I-N-T 
F-A-E-R-Y. Now time for a quick would you rather. Thank you guys for sticking along because it's been a long one, but it's so fucking worth it. Like this. Love these books. So good. Would you rather Zayden be dead or full-fledged Venon? This is a good one that we should ask everyone because that is... It's fucked. You know what I'll say? I've heard some people say this theory and I don't agree with it, but they say that Violet may be able to bring the dead back to life or talk to the dead. If that's the case, Zayden can be dead. But if not, I honestly think he should be a full-fledged Venon and hopefully... Hopefully, somewhere within him is still the real Zayden, not brainwashed with the obsession to get power. And if anything, hopefully there is a cure somewhere out there. Yeah, I feel like the cure thing is what's making me be like, okay, yeah, like he can be full-fledged Venon. But again, I think next book he's going to become one or at least the level of a sage and I just hope he stays in those goddamn wards. Control your mind. Don't go crazy, I'm boy. Not ready. But it's also scary. Like if he has to go on the signet suppressor. Nope, I'm not. Stop. We're not doing this because this is what keeps me <laughs> up at night, people. I'm I sorry. seriously cannot stop thinking about this book. It's freaking me out. Yeah, it's that's why it's a five out of five, baby. It's a five out of five. <laughs> That's it for today's episode. We'll see y'all back in two weeks where we will be getting started with Crescent City Part 1 by Sarah J. Moss. The third installment of this series is coming out at the end of January. So please come along with us. I've never read it. Taylor is actually rereading it. So I've already read the first one so far at this point. So good you guys it has a little less spice than fourth wing but the action and plot totally make up for it like I am not again someone who reads books that are a one out of six but the first book is a one out of six and I honestly didn't care on the smut scale specifically though. yeah on the smut scale the, the rest s- of it fucking five out of it, five you guys. Yeah, it seriously was a it's five great. out of five Come along with us on this journey so that when the third book comes out, you're ready because we're going to throw down. Shit's going <laughs> to fucking hit the fan. As always, for more, follow us on our socials, TikTok and Insta at Read It and Ride It. Check out our merch on Etsy and subscribe to us wherever you're listening in. Our DMs are open to would you rather suggestions, books and topics you want covered, or you can email us at readitandwriteit at gmail.com. See you guys next episode.